Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hi, welcome, hello. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just tell them how gorgeous they are. Just tell them they're gorgeous. It was fun watching some strangers say that to strangers and some sons saying it to their mothers, which is also, that's nice, that's nice. Well, good morning. It's been a while since I've spoken to a microphone, so it's freaking me out. Can you hear me? No, we're online, we need this. Um, good to see you. My name's Joel. I'm going to be bringing us around the Word of God this morning. Um, I hope you're well. I've been away not in Hawaii, in somewhere much, much nicer, Canberra. <laughs> the romance capital of the ACT. If you're new or visiting us this morning, a special welcome to you. Please stick around after the service. We'd love to smash some caffeine with you and give you some free food and, and get to know you. And if that sounds horrible to you, please... When we close in prayer this morning, escape as fast as you can. Get to your car. The gate is locked right now. You can't spell culture without cult. No, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's pray that Pastor Bernard and Charlie don't listen to this message this morning. <laughs> ah, it's... My gosh. Okay. Great to be together. Um, we're going to come around the Word of God this morning, um, and then we'll pray, and then, and then you can rest, Cynthia, but for now, you stay there. Can we look at a couple of verses? We're going to look at uh, four different passages this morning, but we're going we're to jump around a little bit before we pray. Is that okay? Good, because we're going to do it anyway. Um, John 1, verse 1. Why don't we start, you know, in the beginning? Uh, Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now let's go to the beginning. Genesis, it's towards the front of your Bible. Genesis 1 verse 1 reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, verse 3 reads. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1 uh, really depicts the creative process in general. Um, if you've ever tried to create something before, verse 2 kind of is what it feels like formless and empty i don't know what i'm supposed to do but then god spoke he said uh 11 things in genesis 1 he created through his words his words became reality he spoke things then they happened and john 1 depicts this image of the the word of god is the thing that he uses to create everything. It is the vessel that he creates everything through. This morning, um, let me jump one more passage over in Proverbs uh, 4. 
sorry, it's not Proverbs 3, verse 5. It's Proverbs 4. Verse 20 uh, says this, My son, pay attention to what I say and listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Slide behind me emphasizes every reference in Proverbs 4 here where we have personal responsibility that this is ours. Don't let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's body, to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it is the wellspring of life. Put away perverse words, is what my translation says. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. Proverbs 4 is giving us all these kind of instructions that we are to, to pause and to listen and to hear the words that are being spoken, that these are words of wisdom and we are to guard our heart, we are to keep our mouth and our lips away from corrupt talk, we let our eyes look straight ahead, we fix our gaze directly before us, and we make level paths for our feet, and only walk on ways that are firm, and not swerve to the left or the right, and keep our foot from evil. This morning, um, we're going to jump around these three passages, and one more in James 3, and my heart this morning is that God would speak to you and help you to fix your gaze, to make sure that your attention is not just on the infinite scroll on your Instagram, referencing the last time I got to share with us, but your gaze would be fixed on the things that God wants them fixed on and the thing that God wants them fixed on is Him and His Word. That we'd be able to meditate on those things, we would be able to dwell on them and then when the moment arrives that we would speak them and in the speaking of them, we would create as our Creator creates, that we would listen to His Word, that it would be everything we need, and then we would use that Word to do everything He has called us to do. So let me pray for us this morning, and we'll get into this thing, if that's okay with you. Holy Spirit, without you, we can try and muster all of the energy but with you, there is, there's rhythms of grace. You empower your church to be the hands and feet of you, Jesus. So we ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that the Word of God would transform and change our lives, that it would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear it this morning, and that it would change the way we see and guard our heart and, do, and, and, and walk and, and live our lives, that it would bring health to our bodies, that your word would be our desire, that we would desire you and you alone. This morning I ask that you would empower us, that we would be lifed by your word, and that we would walk out of this place ready to meditate on it 
and ready to apply it to our lives and ready to give you glory when you do what you say you're going to do. Help us this morning. Be with us. May other voices, may distractions fall into the background. And may this morning, Jesus, may everyone under the sound of my voice, whether in this room, online, podcast, may they hear you this morning. May they be disciplined to not be distracted by me this morning because, God, I'll probably try to distract them a few times. May you speak. May you be heard. May you move. May you change us because one word from you is enough for us. So may we only walk on paths that are firm. In Jesus' name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Okay. Wrong denomination. It's fine. Good morning. Good. Thank you, Cynthia. You may be seated. Rest your fingies. On the screen is Dr. Theodore. Isn't he a beautiful-looking man? Born on the 2nd of March, 1902. Great years. Everyone remember 1902? I see that hand passed in that. That's great. Favorite year, a few years after he was born. Born in Springfield. Uh, his wife's plural, not at the same time, okay, the room's excited to be in church this morning, uh, Helen and Audrey, separate wives, separate times, um, he was, he went to Dartmouth, which is a cool college, and he was awarded at the end of his doctorate of philosophy in English lit, was given the award by his classmates as the most likely to not succeed, or the least likely to succeed. In fact, at our school, myself and Alex went to school together. That's where we met. Year seven, she came across from the world, Vincentia Public School, and was saved in the Baptist school. I saw her at PE once, and she was running around like someone that had no coordination of her limbs, and I thought, she is the one for me. I was awarded, no, I'm not going to tell you what I was awarded. Ask me afterwards what I was awarded in our school in year 12 by my classmates that I despise. Okay, cool. Um, sorry if you're best friends with everyone from your school, talking to you, Bonnie, who seems to be friends with everyone from her school, which is nice. Any school captains? <laughs> What a bunch of losers. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to be school captain. A teacher wrote an essay um, and circulated amongst the 70 staff members. And one of the teachers gave me a copy. It was very nice. It's framed. No, it's not. He was awarded the least likely to succeed. And his first wife, Helen, uh, talked him out of being an English teacher and talked him into focusing more on drawing and his illustrations because when she looked at his notebooks and his diaries, they were filled with these creatures, these amazing illustrations and these amazing drawings. Theodore, with his doctorate in philosophy, went on to write 60 books that have sold 600 million copies, making him the fifth most successful author in human history. William Shakespeare takes out 
top spot with three billion sales. Who's got some William Shakespeare at home? Okay, not okay. A few classy people. Nice to know. But Theodore um, penned his books under the name of Doctor. There you go. We're all here together. The least likely to succeed went on to write some of the most famous children's books in human history. In fact, one of my favorite books is this book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. It is so depressing, you don't believe me. Don't worry. Let's do an excerpt. This is a book that I read to my children when they were going to sleep. And they were asleep by this point, and this is probably the only book that I've ever got slightly emotional in. This, this, this. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. I walked out of their room and I said to my wife something along the lines of, man, I feel so alone. And she said, shut up, like, you're not alone. It's like, but he got me, he got me. Uh, He went on uh, to write um, this book, The Cat in the Hat, with 250 unique words in it. And one of his editors, um, one of the publishers, encouraged him to try and write a book with a simple challenge. Write a book with less than 50 words total, which we got, green eggs and ham. This book, in all of the words that it has in it, which is a lot of words, only has 50 unique words. I encourage you, introduce this into your quiet time. I do not like Sam I am. See, great stuff, amazing. But Dr. Zeus gives us an example here in these books of very intentional focus, to, to write a book after you had a pretty good seller in Cat in the Hat, to write a book that is just, I'm going to be so disciplined, I'm going to be so fixated, I'm going to be so obsessive and compulsive to focus my thoughts and my intentions and so disciplined to create a book with global success that has been read all around the world and every continent has been translated into 20 different languages That type of fixation and discipline is the same fixation and discipline that I can see in Proverbs 4, where it is you need to listen and you need to hear, and then all of your body, whether it's your heart, your ears, your mouth, your feet, or your foot individually, needs to then be focused on following ways that are not evil anymore. They need to be focused on following Him and Him alone. Not a leader or a pastor or a connect leader, not a church, not a run sheet, but him and him alone. Not a brand, not a logo, not a movement, him and him alone. If we can be the type of church that knows how to be focused and fixed on him, I think we will be able to make some things happen. This morning, the word is entitled fixed and focused. Fixed and focused. If you need another title, um, mind control. (laughs) OCD. There's a whole bunch of different titles you can have. You choose your own adventure. This uh, right here is um, my wife's bike. No, my daughter's bike. It is um, frozen because 
of pop culture. Woohoo! I'm going to sit on it, if that's okay, with our camera guys. Ah, fits me pretty good. I'm going to write it. I'm not going to write it. Um, has any, have any parents here ever had to teach their child to ride a bike? Have any parents not taught their child? My parents in the room? No. Okay, thanks, mum and dad, that didn't teach me to ride a bike, and my friends did when I was 12. Um, my friends also told me how not to wet the bed when I was 13. Um, <laughs> holiday Joel is what you're getting right now. Um, when you teach a kid to ride a bike, apparently one of the things you're supposed to do is teach them, instead of looking down, to look ahead. Normally two or three seconds, not just motion sickness off into a mountain somewhere, but look a little bit ahead because where you look, you are going to... Sure, okay, fine. You said any word, then I would have agreed to it. So if I'm looking over there, suddenly I'm going to steer over there. I'm not going to do what I want to do. Luckily, this has these beautiful training wheels that my daughter loves and may use for her whole life because they are, it's easier. That's what she said to me. It's easy. It is. I agree. Who reckons she should always have training wheels? I'll put it down a half pipe. Um, she's only 14, so she'll learn. Um, <laughs> she's, she's five. Um, Fixed and focused. I wonder if you, in your life, could describe your walk with Jesus as fixed and focused. Again, on the screen is Proverbs um, 4, and I love the last few verses here in Proverbs 4. Um, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. How do you make level paths for your feet? You do everything prior to this verse. It's about you making your own way. It's about listening. It's about guarding your heart. It's about keeping things out of your mouth and your lips and keeping your eyes focused. That makes level paths for your feet. And these words, I just, I love the NIV of this. And only, uh, and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. It's a, it's a discipline to make a decision to stop and to pause, to pray maybe, and to only take paths that are firm. Firm paths are not good plans. Firm paths are not great ideas if you do a pros and a cons list. Firm paths is his path, what he has for you. And to find that path is not some great mystery how you find that path is you fix your eyes on him and you let him speak to you and you create huge amounts of space to be focused and fixed on him. That requires that you turn off your phone, that requires that you get alone with him, that requires that you get up before your kids get up if you're a parent. It requires you to make margin and space to be fixed and focused on him. Because he's not going to give you an intrusive thought to maybe I should listen to God. He's going to wait for you to intentionally choose to listen, to hear, to guard, to protect your mouth, to live a life that makes the path before you straight, good and firm. So this morning, I want to challenge you as a Jesus follower not to be fixed and focused on Sunday mornings and make sure you're here next week and please bring a friend so it looks like we're overflowing and we can take an awesome picture for Instagram. 
My challenge for you is tomorrow, are you fixed and focused on what he is saying to you? And it may be something that he says to you today, but it may be something very different. And if you're fixed and focused on him, rather than just some words that you've heard, you may end up in the right place. Instead of falling off on unfirm ways, you will stay on a firm path. So the what this morning is very simple, to be fixed and focused on him. The why is on our screen and it is orange. We can make amazing things, especially in challenges. Genesis 1 depicts a story of how all of the earth, perhaps universe, was created. We have this amazing, and the word amazing is thrown around a lot, especially in churches. Everything's amazing. Sisterhood's going to be amazing tonight. Ryan will probably be there. You going to sisterhood? No, that's the first sisterhood he hasn't attended. He's just always like, does anyone, do you need someone to play bass? I'll be here. Um, is Sarah going to be here? Just, I'll just, just, just think. Um, the word amazing actually um, means something that brings surprise and wonder. It's not when your kid draws a picture and you're like, that's amazing, and it's not. Amazing is something that brings surprise and wonder. I think what God is creating in Genesis 1, us, everything, is pretty amazing. And we can have this imagery found in John 1 and found in Genesis 1 where there is nothing, there is a word that is with God before anything is ever created. And then through that word, through those spoken words, everything is created. And the reason why we need to be fixed and focused on Him and what He is saying is because if we do that, we will make amazing things. The path before us will be made firm, amazing, perfect for what He has for you. It will not be easy because easy things aren't creative or amazing. Challenge creates amazing things, like some formlessness, like some darkness over the surface of the deep. And then, then words being spoken, shaping everything, creating everything, making amazing things. On the screen uh, is a passage in James, I believe. There it is. Um, I want to read some other verses, but verse 5 and 6 and 10, I think, are on the screen. Let me read a bit of a passage for you. Is that okay? You might be able to hear more verses this morning than you've read all week. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that those who teach are judged more strictly. Amen. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Can I get a holler from all the girls? Okay. If you're looking for the perfect man, it is someone that never stumbles and has no faults. That's what perfect is. It's not, he's nice to my mom. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say that. He's a perfect man, able to keep his body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. If we take a ship, for example, although they are large, they are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, 
where the pilot wants it to go. Verse 5 is on the screen. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6, just strap in. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is as restless and evil and full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. And verse 10 is on the screen down the bottom there. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow in the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Out of the same mouth can praise and curse. My brothers, this should not be. James 3 depicts the power of our tongue that is able, he uses imagery, to direct a horse, to move a ship in very rough winds, and that it is able to set a whole forest on fire, and then it brings it right down, that it is able to set the course of your life, the path before you, it is able to destroy it all. Burn it right to the ground, the path before you. What has the power to do that is not the devil, It's your tongue. It's what you speak. And we can reference this back to Proverbs 4 and understand, okay, what I'm going to speak is probably going to be about what I hear and what I listen and what I allow into my heart and what fills my mouth and what's on my lips. Great. We can reference it back to to Genesis 1 where we have God sitting here in emptiness, in the void before time, space, and matter. And then in that, He speaks and then everything is created. Great. And we can reference John 1 and understand that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and that this Word created everything. The reason why it matters that we are fixed and focused on Him is because our words have the potential to destroy the path in front of us. And by us, I don't mean corporate us, I mean individually us. That what you speak, that what you fixate on, that how much airtime you give your giants or your storm, your fear, your anxiety, your sickness, your cancer, your darkness, the more words you give to corrupt talk, things that are perverse, things that miss the mark, the more ability we have in the midst of winds that do have the potential to take us off course, the, sorry, the less ability we have to actually use those winds via our tongue to get us to a place that brings the type of perfection that God wants His body to have. 
Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. There's a quote from a guy called um, <laughs> Barry Michaels. Um, and the quote isn't on the screen. Uh, it's something on the lines of, um, there is nothing more pathetic than to know what you should do and still not do it. Or James 4 gives us a better analogy that is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. What a challenge for us. Because James depicts here that it's impossible to control your tongue. And then at the very end, he's like, but this shouldn't be the case. We should keep on staying focused and fixed. We should keep on looking ahead. We should stay off Certain talk and certain language and talk and language come from the heart and the heart. Health is determined by what you allow into it. That is through your ears. That is through potentially your own mouth listening to yourself. It is the atmosphere that is around you. So we need to be fixed and focused. And the reason why is because we can make amazing things, but we can also burn them all to the ground. This morning, I want to give you three simple things on a how, and then we're going to come back to John 1 and see something that um, you would see if you read it in like first century, but we're not in the first century anymore. So we're going to look at uh, James 1 verse 14, and we're going to see something in there. And then we'll finish and we'll go um, go on the water slide outside. Just We'll let a fire hose out and we can slide on the grass together. There's no way that I'll be able to stop Nick from hanging out on the water slide now. Okay, um, this is how. We, pro- we pause, we pray, and we praise. Get out of here! Uh, 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 uh. That's how I teach Ellie to ride a bike as well. We pause, we pray, and we praise. Firstly, we pause. That means that we withdraw. Secondly, we pray, which means we draw close to Him And then third is we praise, which means we draw our swords. We pause. We withdraw from the noise. We take a step back and we follow the advice given in that amazing proverb to take a moment to listen. To let the wisdom come in. If I want, there's there's pretty much one thing that I want to be good at in my pastoral ministry, and it's being funny. No, um, it is, it's rest. It's turning my phone off so that you can't contact me. <laughs> there's, there's a study in Australia, um, a study of 6 to 11-year-olds, and 89% of 6 to 11-year-olds say that they wish they had more time with their family. How insane that is. This isn't people on their deathbed saying, I wish I spent more time with my family. This is kids in our nation, primary school kids, saying, what do you want? 11% of them are like, no, I'm good. (laughs) I'm like, I'm fine. Maybe you've had those kids. They're normally teenagers, but six to 11-year-olds. 89% want to spend more time with their family. If I want to be good at something, I want to be good at withdrawing and resting and switching my phone off and putting it in. I have a phone case, which is one of those Pelican hard cases, and I close it and I lock it and I can't get to it. Alex hates my uncontactability. I turn my phone off for days when I'm on holidays, weeks at a time, and she has. She can't track me. She normally tracks me. She's got to find my... And I just go off. I go off into the bush and I come back days later. Um, 
want to be good at rest. I want to be good at taking a pause. I want to be good at making more margin for God to speak and less time for everyone else to speak, including me. I can sit and be still where I can, I can let heaven and His wisdom, His grace and His love invade me because without it, man, I've, really, I've got the same potential with my path. Like I can, I can go off un, on an unfirm path. I can set the whole course on fire. But if I make that pause, if I withdraw from you and everyone, there's a chance that I'll actually be able to stay fixed and focused when winds come. But if I don't learn to tame my tongue, which starts at taming, protecting my own heart, and which starts before that at hearing God's voice, if I can't do that, I'll be a beautiful shooting star and it could be a year or two years or 10 years or 20 years, but I won't be able to get to the end of my race and finish it well if I don't pause and withdraw. Secondly, to pray, which means to draw close to Him. Yeah, James 4 depicts what it really is like to draw close to God and it's not, it's not clapping in the second song so we get a little bit more in and then they do that new... Whose song is that new song? Chris Tomlin, represent... How great thou art. Amazing God. Is there any other songs that he wrote? I don't know. How great is that? Oh, sorry. I've been kicked off the worship team so many times. I can't remember any of their songs. I could, I could, I could play. No. Um, my cello isn't here. Um. <laughs> yeah. I used to play saxophone in the youth band. Um, Fast and that didn't like it. Because it seemed that all of the girls would turn and start to worship me as I play the sax. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> praying for the youth camp is going to be awesome. And praying for um, Pastor A1 and Sophia who are going to be sharing their, their great uh, friends. Um, great. Um, back on it. Uh, to pray to draw close to him. And, and James 4 depicts this, um, this brokenness and this, this weeping and this coming before God. Um, humbly because um god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble james teaches us so if you are prideful you oppose god as soon as you've got pride you've positioned yourself or god has positioned himself whichever way you need it in this promise from him he opposes you pride pride makes you stand on the battlefield on the opposite side of god Next time you feel that pride just rising up on you, just realize what enemy you're creating. And it's not that jerk at work. Oh, that's the title for next week's sermon. <laughs> Libby. I work with Libby. Um, <laughs> the tongue has the power to burn everything to the ground. I am not a perfect man. Okay. Um, the pride makes me oppose. So when I draw close to God uh, and I submit to him and I acknowledge him in all my ways, James 4 teaches us, I then uh, submit to him. I move myself back onto the right side of the battlefield. But pride makes me stand on the opposite side. So when I pray and I draw close to God in the way that James describes, I'm broken, I submit, which means I come under the authority of someone else. I acknowledge him, and then suddenly 
I'm no longer standing against the God of the universe, the one that speaks and creates stars and universes and holds every atom together. I would rather be on that side of the battlefield, and that requires humility. A great way of knowing if you're humble is how often can you shut your mouth? So I pause, and I pray, and I draw close to him, and I, I examine my own heart and ask him if there's anything in me that offends you, God. Would you, would you address it and correct it and help me to be more like you because I want to be more like you and less like me? And then third, then I draw my sword. Then I praise. And um, Old Testament uh, and some theology gives us this belief um, that the, the, the singers um, go before us, um, no offense, worship team, but you no longer go before me. Um, sorry, um, because you're not with me in my quiet time tomorrow, um, and every battle that I face, you're not there. Um, I wish I could click my fingers, and Pastor Nat would appear in the hospital when Ellie swallows a key ring, and I'm like, is she going to die? Um, but he's not there. But praise, declaring who he is in the battle, praise, before I have seen it and before the victory has happened, praise, this is who my God is. I can go down to the battlefield with my cut cheeses, David, and I can focus the whole army on that's who that dog is over there, Goliath, and this is who we are, and this is why God can do it, and he can use these stones and my amazing ability to flick them, and that giant will fall, and that storm will come, and that thing will shift and turn, and the path before me will become firm, but I cannot praise before I pray, and I cannot pray before I pause. So I will pause and I will withdraw from every voice, including my own, and then I will pray and inquire of him, and then I will take those words, that sword, that logos described all throughout Scripture, 319 different times, but described in John 1 here, the word would create. That's the type of sword that the church is called to have, not just a sword of that this year is the Father's favour, so you just declare that at every possible thing that happens. But what has he said to you when you paused and when you prayed? And now take that sword to everything in front of you and pull it out, draw it out of its little sword pocket. I don't care about your references of what it's really called. Sword pocket it is. It's the long, it's, this pocket is my sword pocket. Imagine if I pulled, no. It's actually my sock, no, <laughs> that's youth camp. Um, but I want to praise with those things, not just catchphrases, not just nice things, not just words written by Chris Tomlin out of his relationship with God, but the things that God has spoken to me as I prayed and drawed close to him and withdrew from the world, they are the things that help me stay fixed and focused on an outcome that glorifies God, not glorifies me. Last thing uh, on the screen, we're going to go to John 1 again. We're going to look some verses a little bit further down and we're going to look at more of maybe a, yeah. <laughs> John 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
John 1 depicts in many of your Bibles that it's a capital W, given by authors because we give capitals to everything that we believe references Jesus. But in the original text, probably all capitals um, at that time, how it was written. But we have this, this truth here depicting Jesus being the, not only Son of God, but being a part of the Trinity and where we get our theology of the Trinity. But before 384, 380, somewhere, 300 and something, um, where we start to develop theologies of Trinity, if we look at a more ancient or more Jewish view of this, we can get a really important truth that is going to be our big idea as we conclude this morning. It's our final slide on the screen, that our words become flesh. That if I was looking at this in a very traditional Jewish way, we would understand that what we're hearing here is words becoming flesh is the same as what words Tom speaks over his life will become a reality, will become flesh. What you say will become a reality. The word became flesh formless, empty, void, God spoke and it was there. I'm not giving you some, some belief around naming and claiming this morning and it rhymes and it's good, um, even though I could. What I'm asking for you this morning is about all of the different areas in your life. Are your words fixated and focused on making something become flesh that is from heaven or is it fixated and focused on using your flesh to fight other flesh? Are you pausing? Are you praying? And then are you praising in the words that come from your mouth, creating a path before you that is His will, that is His word, what He is saying to you from the word of God, not just a popular thing that you've heard or a nice sermon series, what he has said to you backed up and based on and out of the word of God, can you speak, thank you, can you speak those things in a way that makes the path before you the will of God? Firm, secure and amazing. Still surprising still wonder-producing, but so firm. The decisions in your marriage, taking a firm path. Decisions in your workplace, your career, taking a firm path. Not one of pride, not one demanding your own way, one of humility, not opposing God, but humbling under Him and allowing Him to give you grace. So whether it's in your uh, career or ministry or your marriage or your, or your parenting or your friendships or your online dating, pause. feels weird, right? Like even stopping in church. 
Like apparently the place that God speaks the most. It's like we all gather here and we look up to the screen and the screen tells us what he's saying. It's really easy to pause when like you're completely broken. Like when words run out. What about controlling your mind enough that you stop your words before they run out and you just pause? You sealer, you wait for the next musical instruction. Pause. What job should I take? Pause. There's two paths. Pause. Because I want to go down the right path, but I want to go down there with God. So I'll pause and I'll wait. Consider the words in Proverbs 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to the whole man's body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perverse words out of your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Jesus, would you help us to pause and to inquire of you? And would you speak to us in a way that doesn't make us shift and move and thirst for just the new thing and something else just to consume and to to fill our lives with? Would we be able to be still before you and still content? Would you actually be enough for us to be with you and to talk with you? Would Would it be enough? And may you give us patience and perseverance to know when to speak, to know what path to take, to know which way to go down. But may we not have itchy feet, may we have feet that are careful to search for firm paths and firm foundations. May we control our minds and may we discipline them to be fixed and focused on you. This morning I ask Jesus as we go out this week, even through the school holidays for our families, may we take moments to pause, to withdraw, to, to pray, to draw close to you, knowing that a moment is coming where we must draw our swords. And may when those moments arrive, may we not hesitate with fear, but may we follow every word that proceeds from your mouth. May we be just as Christ was, your words becoming flesh. Be with us, help us, because we desperately need it. And may through our lives, may people hear and see you. I pray for our church as it goes out this week. Would you be with us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? Would you protect us? Would there be new waves of provision and promotion? May we be surrounded by your presence. May our church... Just be examples of you 
May we represent Christ before we represent celebration. May people hear and see you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.